0: You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. How we doing? We good. Good, good, good. Well, we're excited. Uh, this weekend we had an event called "Awake My Soul," which is for our teenagers, and I believe that you may have heard a little bit about it. I'm just still pumped about uh, the fact that five people went from death to life, and, and just seeing these teenagers worship. They were here. They were here at nine o'clock, and. Uh, and, and they, they literally filled up the front of the, the stage worshiping and to see them worshiping and getting into it and with their hands raised. And uh, it's just cool to see them. And, and I know that it inspires me and encourages me uh, to worship and encourages me to want to press into Jesus more. I think it's awesome when you can be in a place where the, the, the teenagers are, are literally leading in worship in many ways. And so it's exciting to be a part of that. I'm excited today as well about the message that uh, I feel like the Lord's put on my heart for you. And we're starting a new series today, as you just saw, called Everything Changed. And this is looking at how when we come to know Christ, when we have an encounter with Jesus, and when He becomes the Lord and Savior of our life, how everything begins to change. Um, the Bible teaches, and we who are in Christ have experienced this, that when you come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, comes to live inside of you, and gives you a new heart. And so you begin to have different desires. You begin to To war against the sin in your life and you begin to turn from that sin and turn to God and it's a process that we go through for the rest of our life as we become more like Jesus and so we're going to be talking about that for the next four weeks this series is actually going to take us into Easter and each week we're going to have a testimony for you Um, at some point during the service so that you can see from someone who uh, has experienced this life change that Jesus gives and that Jesus brings to us. And so today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Um, We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. This is the account of Zacchaeus and Jesus' encounter with him. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. And if you go to our Next Steps table, we give you a Bible. We'd love for you to have one if you don't have one. And uh, we get excited when we're able to give those out, so we'd love to give you one as uh, you leave today. All right, so Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Let's read it, then we'll go back, we'll go through it and see what the Lord has to say to us today. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for your word, and thank you that we can open your word, and God, that you feed us spiritually through it. God, I pray that that would happen now. I pray that your word would be delivered with power, power that still changes hearts and changes lives. God, we just pray that it would be for your glory and it'd be for the glory of Jesus, God. And we just pray all of this in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, I was thinking through this message and I was thinking about um, times where I've experienced life change. And other than my conversion And uh, my faith, coming to faith in Christ, uh, probably the time that my life changed the most was when we had our first child. And if you have children, you can understand this because everything changes, right? Um, you, you go from being able to take a nap when you want to. I could go hunting when I wanted to. I could go fishing when I wanted to. I could play golf when I wanted to. I could do whatever I wanted to do. I could, I could do anything I wanted to do at any moment because I didn't have any um, responsibility at that point in time that was keeping me from doing those things. And I remember when my son was born, how all of that changed. Like immediately, um, it was no longer, I had this new responsibility. It wasn't taking a nap when I wanted to. Um, it was trying to catch a nap w- between feeding him every two hours. I'm like, how can you eat this much? You're only this big and you eat every two hours. You eat more than I do. And, and so it's like this constant thing. And, and, and I remember just how it was uh, in the hospital, how it just happens. And one minute, you know, you've got all this freedom. The next minute you've got this huge responsibility of this little life. And, and it just changes so much. I remember the first child we had, we were in there and, and we got moved into a regular room and the nurse came in and she said, would you like for us to take, you know, the baby and we'll put him in the, in the nursery with us and we'll take care of him tonight so that you guys can rest. And we're like, Oh no, 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 no. We want him with us. We want him with us and we want to take care of him. And, and we want to be able to give him his bottle and we want to feed him and and do all this stuff, right? And so we we wanted to be good parents and so all night long we were up and and he didn't seem like he was ever going to sleep. And so then we had two more children and the nurse would come in with those other two and she said, do you want uh, uh, us to take them to the nursery or do you want to keep them in here with you? And we were like, (laughs) nursery, right? And so we're in there, and and they've got got the baby. They're feeding the baby. They're taking care of the baby. And we're in there. It's like all of a sudden turned into an all-inclusive spa resort kind of thing people are bringing us breakfast, we're just kind of kicked back, you know, and and it's like just a difference, but it was a difference, and it was a huge change because things, all of a sudden, we had this new responsibility. I remember going home from the hospital, Um, it was, it was scared me to death, Uh, driving, I was going like 25 miles an hour, Susan's like, why are you driving so slow, I'm like, hush woman, you know, (laughs) I'm driving like a bat out of Hades here, you know, and, and so, um, it, it Just nerve wracking. I remember trying to put the car seat in and, and I'll be honest, like how many of you cussed when you tried to put the car seat in for the first time? Uh, you can repent of that later. Um, we'll have an opportunity for that. And, and it was just one of those things, man. It was just very different all of a sudden. Um, and, and so things changed. Something happened in my life that changed, um, changed everything. And that's what Jesus does in our life. Is as he comes into our life, he doesn't, it's not a birth as in a physical birth, but there is a new birth that takes place. And this new birth gives us new life, and that life begins to transform us. Zacchaeus is one of these people who experiences this. I think it's awesome that the first verse says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus' intent was, I'm just gonna pass through Jericho on my way to Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem to die on the cross to give his life for us. And this was his mission, this was his purpose. But as he was passing through, he comes across Zacchaeus. And here's the thing I want to encourage you with today as you're here. The Bible says that we're two more gathered in his name that he is here. Jesus is here today. And if you are hungry for him and you are seeking for him, he will not pass you by. He will meet with you today. If our heart is to seek him and to know him, he will still speak to our heart. He will still meet with us. He'll still come to us. He'll still meet us where we're at. No matter where you are today, he will meet you where you are and give you that new life. It's what he does. And so he was passing through, but Zacchaeus alters his plans. He runs into Zacchaeus and sees that uh, there's a man there who needs him. It says in verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Here's the thing we need to understand about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was pretty much a hated man. Zacchaeus was someone that no one would have liked. He was a chief tax collector, meaning he was at the top of the food chain of the tax collectors. He was over the other tax collectors. He would have been very wealthy. Jericho was a very prosperous city. Um, He would have taken in a lot of taxes and what the tax collectors would do is they would take more tax than what the Romans um, mandated for them to take and anything they took above and beyond what the Romans said they had to take, they kept for themselves. It's why he was a very wealthy man. And so we see he was hated. He was robbing literally from his own people. And so Zacchaeus was someone who would have been disliked very, very much. But the, the thing about it that's interesting is Zacchaeus, his name actually means um, pure and righteous. And so I thought about that. And how interesting is that? That his name means pure and righteous. And yet because of the activities that he's taking part in and because he's robbing people of their money, he's one of the most hated, most um, disliked people in the area. And when you think about that, I thought about, again, going back to this birth thing of how, how Zacchaeus was born to someone who thought in their mind, let's name him pure and righteous, and maybe that's how he's going to live. And how big of a disappointment did Zacchaeus feel like at this point when every time someone said his name, it meant pure and righteous, and yet he was someone who was disliked, who had become basically a thief, who had become someone who no one wanted to be around. How many people disliked him, and how big of a disappointment did he have to feel like he was to his parents, and not only to his parents, but to himself. And I wonder if all of that stuff that he surrounded himself with, all of the money, the position, all of the things that came with that, I wonder if all of that was a cover-up to try to make him feel better about who he was and, about, and to try to make him feel more whole from the disappointment that he had caused and for the disappointment that he felt. And so Zacchaeus is a man who's got a lot of holes in his life. Zacchaeus was a man who didn't have a ton of friends because not very many people liked him. Zacchaeus was lonely. Zacchaeus was very different in that he was willing to rob and extort his own people to do what he wanted to do. Verse 3, he says he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he wanted to see Jesus. And see, this is a huge thing for us. is our heart that we want to see him. Because as I said before, he's not going to hide himself from people who declare that I want to see you. See, Zacchaeus had a problem. He needed to have physical sight or spiritual sight. He needed his eyes to be open where he could see Jesus clearly. Right before this, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus encounters a blind man. This blind man, couldn't, he couldn't see physically, but Jesus opened his eyes so that he could see physically. What you begin to see is that there's many things in Luke 18 that Zacchaeus is fulfilling spiritually that were fulfilled physically in Luke chapter 18. And just as Jesus opened this man's physical eyes so that he could see, Jesus opened Zacchaeus's eyes so he could spiritually see who Jesus is. He could come to faith in Jesus. He could be born again, receiving new life, this new birth, and he could live a different life. And so when we look at Zacchaeus, we see this. We can understand this. The Bible says that he was short. And many times we take this text, we take this scripture, and we kind of dumb it down, and we just put it in there for like our children's ministry. And we sing the song like Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. That song? And, and we sing the song, we kind of just, just talk about it with our children. But, but here it says in here that he was a short man. The problem was he couldn't see over the people in front of him. And, and here's the other thing. They didn't like him anyway. Like no one was going to help Zacchaeus get to the front where he could see. But he's wanting to see Jesus. And so he's there. They won't let him up. They won't let him in. And how frustrated do you get when you're in line and somebody keeps pushing their way to the front? And it just frustrates you, How many of you just want to throw punch somebody? Like, seriously. Maybe that's a little harsh. But the reality is that it is frustrating. and they weren't going to dare, dare let Zacchaeus get up to the front. There was no way they were going to let him get up there, but he wanted to see. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to meet Christ. And so Zacchaeus had this hunger in his heart to meet him. You have a hunger to hear his voice, to see him, to meet him. This week, I got a text from my wife, and she said, I just want you to know Reed, who's my five-year-old, and she said, I want you to know Reed says now that he can hear God. I was like, cool. And it kind of scared me a little bit, because like, is he hearing voices? Like, what's he hearing? And and so I was like, okay, what's God say? And she texted me back, and she said, he says he knows, but he ain't telling. (laughs) And so I was like, all right. And so I get home and, and that night we were laying in bed and I'm laying in bed snuggling with him um, before he goes to sleep. And, and I said, Reed, tell me about what God's telling you. And he goes, no, nah. he said, I didn't want to at first. And I said, no, tell me, I wanna know what God's telling you. And he goes, lots of things. And I said, like what? And he goes, like not doing bad things. And I was like, sounds like God to me, right? I mean, it wasn't like um, something out there to, real crazy. I was like, this boy's probably hearing God. And uh, he's five, and so what's that mean? I don't know, but anyway, it's better than hearing voices. And so anyway, he's, he's got this whole thing going, and he's, he's hearing the Lord, you know, and he's hearing his voice. And I thought about, when's the last time we've heard the Lord speak to our heart? When's the last time we've had this hunger to want to see Jesus? When's the last time we were willing to do whatever it took to see him? Because he was short, there was an obstacle in his path. There was something keeping him from from being able to truly um, come to it, engage in Christ. And here's what happens to us, and I want you to really hear this. Here's what happens to us so many times. So many times what ha- happens is there's an obstacle in our path. It could be um, a sin. Uh, it could be an addiction. It could be an addiction to drugs or alcohol or pornography. It could be um, sexual sin that's in our life. It could be gossip. It could be so many things. There's obstacles that are in our way. It could be a bad relationship. It could be our relationship with our parents. It could be t- Tons of things that hinder us from coming face to face with Christ or consistently meeting with Jesus. And what happens so many times is those obstacles seem to be there so that they can keep us from coming to Christ. Those obstacles seem to be so big so that they keep us from coming to him, that they keep us from being able to see him. But the reality of it is if Zacchaeus had never had the obstacle in his life, he never would have seen Jesus the way he sees him. I want to encourage you today that for many of us, we've looked at the obstacles in our life and felt disqualified. We've looked at the obstacles in our life. It felt like they were going to, to literally be the end of us. And what the Bible shows us with Zacchaeus is the very thing that satan would have used to keep him from being able to come to jesus god uses to open his eyes to see the reality of who jesus is that's a good god right that can do that, that can take the obstacles in our life, the things that that want to keep us from coming to Christ and use them so that we can see him more clearly. Here's the reality of it, guys, is that many of us would have never come to know Christ had it not been for the obstacles in our life. Sometimes getting to the end of your rope isn't the worst place you can be because it makes you cry out for help and it makes you realize that you need a savior. And you come to a place where you're finally at the end of you. And when you get to the end of you, the good news is that you can finally come to new life in Christ, in God, when we're ready to die to ourselves and live in him. Verse four says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse four, it says that he ran ahead and climbed a tree See, this is something that's huge because Jewish men, they didn't run. They didn't run. It was something seen as as to be undignified. It was thought of to be um, less. It made them less than a man to run. Children ran. Men didn't run. That's why in the story of the prodigal son, when the father runs to the son, it's a big deal because fathers didn't run, especially well-to-do people. Fathers, men did not run and yet Zacchaeus runs to a tree, and he climbs the tree. When's the last time you saw a grown man climb a tree? Right, that's what children do. Children climb trees, right? And so when we look at this, we we see that he's doing some things that weren't dignified. For too many of us, our dignity keeps us from coming into a relationship with Jesus. Or our dignity keeps us from truly worshiping who he is. Or our dignity keeps us from being able to become the person that we want to become or that Jesus wants us to become. And the reality is that at some point in our life we have to be willing to lose some dignity in order to pursue Jesus. Sometimes as Christians we're gonna do things that may not be popular. Sometimes as Christians we're gonna do things that may make us feel foolish. I can remember the first time I ever like, raised my hands in worship. And I know for some of y'all, it kind of freaks you out. You're like, what is the matter that somebody got a knife in their back or what, what's going on, right? And, and I can remember the first time, and, and I wanted to so bad because I just wanted, it was just a cool time where the Holy Spirit was moving. You could feel the Spirit of God in the place. And it was like, I felt like everybody in the world was looking at me. And I was like, I want to raise my hand. I want to just do this in surrender. And I was, at, I, was, I was in the back of the room. Everybody was facing the other way. And I remember standing there and thinking, I really want to raise my hands. And so you go through the progression of raising your hands where you kind of start here and turn here and then like raise the roof a little bit. And, and then finally you get your hands up in the air, right? And I remember that was like the hardest thing for me to do And I finally had to come to the decision that I wanted to be obedient to what God was putting in my heart rather than be dignified in front of people. And it felt like everybody was watching, but it was such a huge lesson because then finally I opened my eyes. Nobody was even looking where I was. And yet it felt like every eyeball was on me. Sometimes we have to be willing to become undignified in the eyes of others if we're going to be pleasing to Jesus. We have to be willing to lay our dignity aside to pursue him and to do the things that he wants us to do. Verse five says this, five and six, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house tonight, today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. When you look at verses five and six, when I look at those two verses, what I see is an urgency think about the words that are in there. It says in verse five, it says Zacchaeus come down immediately. Then he says, I must stay at your house today. Today. Like not tomorrow, not next week. Can we schedule a time? I must stay with you today. And he says, so at once he came down and welcomed him gladly. At once he came down. I see urgency in this statement. See Zacchaeus knew this, in his heart, there was something urgent that needed to take place, there was something urgent that needed to happen. Jesus knew Zacchaeus in and out, and so he knew that it was urgent that something take place in Zacchaeus' life. And so when we look at this, we see an urgency that takes place that brings Zacchaeus to a place of salvation and a relationship with Christ. Too many times we put off for tomorrow what needs to be done today with a sense of urgency in our spiritual life. There's so many things that vie for our attention and that compete and that tell us that it's important. And the reality of it is we will begin to push our spiritual life to the to the side in order to take care of these things in our in our regular life, in our tangible, physical life. The first thing that's going to get pushed aside typically is our spiritual life. But I'm telling you, there is an urgency to us growing in the likeness of Christ. One because that's God's will for our life. As we saw when we went through the book of first Thessalonians, That it's God's will that we be sanctified or made more like Christ. So it's God's will for us, but it's also God's will that the transformation in us ripple through the people around us. And so it's bigger than us. It's about other people and it's especially about the glory of God. Don't put off today and say, I'll do it tomorrow. Take care of it today. Meet with Jesus today. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, today's the day of salvation. Jesus stands at the door and knocks and asks you to allow him to come in. And the reality is today we have to ask ourselves the question, if I don't have a relationship with Jesus, if I've never had the day of salvation that's made my life different. And and listen, you can go through all your life saying I'm a Christian, saying I'm a Christian. But the, the question I would ask you is at what point did you meet Jesus in such a way that it changed your life? And is he changing your life now? And so when we come to this and we see this and we see that there's this urgency, if today's the day of salvation, don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't say I'll do it tomorrow. Who knows if tomorrow will come? Certainly don't put it off until after the presidential elections because who knows what will come, right? And so the reality is for us that we need to make this an urgent thing. Our spiritual life has to take to the forefront of our physical life. So verse six, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this verse seven and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner." Now, doesn't this just sound like church, right? Because here's Zacchaeus, he's finally seen Jesus, he's finally come to this point of making contact with Jesus. This is the day of salvation for him as we're about to see. And, and, and then he's all jacked up and happy like he's on like Mountain Dew or something, right? He's all giddy and excited and, and fired up. And then the religious people are over there going, well, I bet you he won't be like that in six months. I give him six months and he won't be so fired up. And, 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 and just kind of like raining on his parade, right? Well, I don't know why Jesus went to eat with sinners. He shouldn't eat with them sinners. They're bad people. Bad people go to hell, right? And, and, and the reality of it is that, that he's, this is where this is happening. This is, this is the reality. That the religious people are angry because Jesus is bringing somebody who is far from God close to God. They're upset. I remember for me, it was when when I got saved and I I just really was on fire for the Lord and and I felt called into ministry. And what people would tell me all the time, it used to make me so mad, is they would tell me all the time, like, well, just because you're excited about Jesus doesn't mean that you got to be a preacher. It's like, well, for me, it does. And it's okay. Like, I could be something worse. I could be like, I think I feel called to be a drug dealer, but that wasn't what I was called to do. And so. It's like, give me a break. You know, I could be doing something way worse than being a preacher. So, you know, that's that's just reality. And so we oftentimes see this and oftentimes have people who want to um, t- st- snuff out the flame of the Holy Spirit that burns inside of us because they don't have one of their own. And so that what's in us makes them feel guilty because they haven't stirred that fire in themselves. And my encouragement to you is stir that flame that the Holy Spirit has put inside of you until it roars, until it blazes so that other people around you can feel the heat so that God can do in and through you what he desires and don't let other people put that out. Verse eight, this is really where the rubber meets the road. This is really where we see Zacchaeus' life turned around. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, look, Lord. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. This is really the moment of transformation for Zacchaeus, where we see the Holy Spirit doing something in him that's absolutely incredible. The Bible says that Zacchaeus stood up, and and meaning not that he had been sitting down, but that he took a stance, that he stood firm, that he was standing And that he was saying, look, Lord, I don't care what they say. I don't care what they think. The reality of it is I'm with you. Look, Lord, here's the evidence of the fact that I follow you. Here's the evidence of the fact that I'm yours. Here's the evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit's working in me. I'm giving it half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anybody, I'm giving it back fourfold right and so the thing that we need to see is that according to the Old Testament law he was only required to give back what he had taken plus 20%. He says, I'm going to give back four times what I've taken. And so we see that grace always takes us further than the law. Grace always takes us further than the rules. Grace always does more in our heart than saying, I'm just going to follow God, you know, by my determination. When we experience the grace of God, he does more in us than what the law or these this rule religious, um, abiding without a relationship, um, With Jesus is. That was terrible. Let me say that again. It does more in us than just what religion can do. Religion being defined rules without a relationship. But when we're in a relationship with Jesus, what we see happen is he begins to transform us more than the rules. He begins to transform our heart from the inside out. And that's what we see happening to Zacchaeus. That's what we see happening in his life here in this moment everything changed for Zacchaeus the cool thing about Zacchaeus in this moment is that it's a moment of repentance it's a time where he turns away from his sin and he turns to God and see repentance is something that happens at the moment of faith for us when we come to faith and we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus repentance is not just saying I'm sorry Repentance is literally turning from whatever the sin is and turning to God. And repentance isn't something for the Christian that happens one time. Repentance is a way of living. It's when we have turned our back to the Lord or we have, have, uh, somehow began to have sin in our life. The Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin. He does not condemn us of that sin, but he convicts us of that sin. And we turn from that sin and we turn to Jesus. That becomes our way of life. Consistently fixing our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, consistently following him becomes our way of life. And so we see this in this moment of repentance for Zacchaeus. And in this moment of faith and repentance comes salvation, comes the Holy Spirit, comes a new heart. And so he is transformed from the inside out. And listen, this is important. What happens on the inside of him is evidenced by what he does on the outside. So that we cannot, it is a spiritual impossibility to come into a relationship with Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then to go on and live the way we live without some change in our life. It's spiritually impossible. No one meets Jesus, comes to him as, with him as their Lord and their savior, comes to him in faith and stays the same. He changes our hearts and he changes our lives and he puts us on a different path. See, here's the amazing thing. Zacchaeus was changed in this moment. And we can look at that. And many times we read the Bible like a history book rather than being living and active in the word of God. And we can look at that and go, well, that's great for Zacchaeus, but you know, I'm 2000 years later. But the good news is God still does this. God's alive and God's working and the Holy Spirit is powerful. And he's still working today. He's still changing lives today. And I want you to see the story of a a young man by the name of Adam and, and who God did this in. God has changed his heart. I spoke with someone the other day, it was actually Friday night, and they said that testimony, they had seen it um, before, and they said that testimony is awesome, but you can't appreciate how powerful it is to see it if you really didn't know Adam. Evidently, Adam had some kind of past. But they said that this was really an amazing story, and you're going to see it now. I want you to watch this video of Adam's testimony of how God changed his heart.
1: I was very prideful, and then everything changed. I moved to Toombs County to coach wrestling with Bradley Benton, and I knew that we were gonna win a lot of wrestling matches, and we were gonna compete for state titles, and that's what my desire was as a coach. Um, I really wanted to be successful. I wanted to win. I wanted everybody to know that I was a good coach. Uh, I worked hard at it, and I wanted to get the accolades for that. And, you know, when I started coming to Connection, I realized that my priorities were in the wrong place, and I, my direction was for me only, and not for not for Christ, not for my wife, not for anything except for me. Um, my marriage was, you know, great as far as I thought, you know, but my wife got out of PA school, and uh, she was working night shift a lot, and. Uh, you know, we weren't really seeing much of each other, and didn't have Christ at the center of our marriage, and we were struggling. And I wasn't serving her, and I was resenting her for I thought she wasn't serving me the way I should have been served because I thought, you know, I don't know. I just thought I was good. You know, I was like, hey, I'm, you know, a good husband. I'm, I'm a good person. You know, I, I work hard, and I feel like she should be serving me more. And really. I was, you know, i supposed to be the leader of my house, and I'm not. After we started going to Vidalia campus and going to small groups, I, I really felt like my life was changing. Uh, when I was 13, I got baptized, and f- basically for the next 17 years, I thought that I was saved. And I thought, well, you know, I, I mess up and I sin and I do things, but I'm still saved. And I, I began to question. My salvation when I, I felt like I, I was not being challenged as a Christian, um, I realized other people did not see me as a Christian and I, I knew that something was missing. And uh, when I finally received the Holy Spirit, um, I grew more in this one year. Than I did in 17 previous years.
0: I have to have it on. It's cool to hear his story and how God worked and changed his heart and changed his life and began to, to, to literally make a difference in him from the inside out. So many times as Christians, we try to change the outside, thinking that the outside will change the inside, but God works the exact opposite. He begins to change the inside and then the outside begins to be changed as the fruit of what he's put inside of us begins to show. And so just like Adam, God still changes hearts. He still changes lives. He still does in us what he did in Zacchaeus. The Bible says in verse nine, Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So he says today salvation has come. He saw the evidence of this in in Zacchaeus' life. He heard his confession of of repentance and he, he saw this. And he says today salvation has come. And my question for you right now is have you had that day? Have you had that day of salvation? that moment where you've come to faith. And listen, if you have, then that's awesome. But when's the last time you repented of anything? Is repentance a daily part of your life? Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life, again, not condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads us to repentance? When's the last time? Not saying I'm sorry, but turning from that sin and saying, Lord, cleanse me. Make me pure. Make me righteous. That's what God wants to do. See, in Zacchaeus, we literally witness a miracle. In Adam, we literally witness a miracle. In many of your lives, God has done a miracle. And there's many of us here today that God wants to do a miracle in you and take you from death to life in Christ. So today I want to end this service first of all by giving you an opportunity that today's the day of salvation for you that you can make a response. I want to give you an opportunity to respond in faith and say, yeah, I want a relationship with Jesus. And so today, if you don't have that, you've never had that before, and today's the first day that that you would say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. I feel like a lot of people find themselves where Adam was, that for years and years we call ourselves Christian, but we're Christian by name only. Our hearts haven't yet been given over to him. We haven't lived for him as he is the Lord of our life. We've been playing games with him. And so my question for you today is, do you have that relationship? If not, is God knocking on the door of your heart, calling you to himself? And if he is today, then say yes. And so today I'm going to ask you, today's the day of salvation for you. I'm going to ask you to be really bold. Because I want us to celebrate just like Zacchaeus was celebrating when he welcomed Jesus gladly. I want us to celebrate and I want you to be very bold. If today's the day of salvation for you, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet so that we can celebrate with you. Today's the day of salvation and you say, yeah, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to celebrate that. We want to help you take your next steps. I'm asking you right now to be very bold and to stand to your feet and say, yes, Lord. I'm yours. Whose heart is God speaking to this morning? Listen, if my five-year-old can hear him speak, I know we can. The Lord's speaking to your heart. Would you take that step of faith? Day's the day. I don't think anybody new stood up, but we just heard somebody holler. So we started clapping. That's cool. Anyway, it's awesome. I want to press on something a little more before we get out of here. And that's this whole thing of repentance. Because it's easy for us to get in a groove, to get in a, a rut. And lose sight of our need for repentance in our lives. And today I want to challenge you that if there's something in your life that needs repentance. Needs to be left. Needs to be turned from. Needs to be walked away from. I want to encourage you I want to challenge you I want to ask you that you would come to this altar and you would leave it if you need to get on your knees you get on your knees if you need to get on your face you get on your face and you do what you have to do to leave that here with God I'm going to ask you if you will for the next this moment or two to pray and ask the Lord what it is that is in your life that maybe you need to leave here today what is it that God's put his finger on and working on in you? This will come that obstacle. See, Jesus will roll away the stone every time. We just have to have a heart that's willing to surrender it to him. Maybe for you today, that stone, that obstacle, that you feel like you've let God down, you feel like you've let others down. If you just feel like We talked about Zacchaeus in the beginning, just feeling like maybe in so many ways your life's been a disappointment. I wanna ask you right now to move. If that's you or you've got something else, I'm gonna ask you to get up and move and come down here. Maybe you feel like the obstacles in your life have disqualified you, have kept you from doing or becoming what you know you're called to be. Listen. The only thing that qualifies us for anything is jesus maybe you feel like you don't have the worth or the value that you need that you should have because you're not good enough see that's a lie from the pit of hell and jesus is the one who gives us our value he's the one who gives us our worth maybe for some of us it's got to do with our dignity See, here's the funny thing is that many of us are still in our seats because we're worried about what others think. I want to encourage you that today you move, not worrying about what someone else thinks, but living for one person only, and that's Jesus, and to please him. Not worrying about our being dignified and what others think. Life's too short for that. This mission's too important for that. Let's move and let let God be our strength, let God be our shield. For some of us, maybe we're not willing to climb. Maybe we're not, he ran ahead and he climbed. Maybe for some of us, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but you've quit climbing. You've quit getting in the word and hearing the voice of the Lord. Your prayer life's become weak and it's weakening your faith. So I'm asking you today, if that's you, come and leave that here. Sometimes we just say, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'm telling you, there's a sense of urgency that we need to have. A sense of urgency that moves us. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we don't move because we've misdiagnosed the longing in our heart. We think that there's something else that can possibly satisfy our heart and we try everything until finally we realize it won't work. The longing in your heart is for God. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Only the God who put eternity there, the eternal God, can satisfy that longing. Sometimes we're afraid of the fallout, what will somebody think? What's going to happen in my life? Sometimes we're afraid of the cost. Is it going to cost me too much? Let me tell you this. No one ever follows Jesus and then regrets having followed him. You will not get to the end of your life. And having regretted taking a step of faith and following the Lord. Listen, maybe some of you here today, you need to surrender something going on with your health. You need to leave it with him. Maybe it's with your children. And raising kids is a challenge. Maybe it's something going on with your kids. Maybe it's something going on in your marriage. Maybe you feel like you're hanging on by a thread there. Maybe it's with your family. I want to pray, and you can still move. Once I'm done praying, we'll be dismissed, but I'm going to ask you to leave quietly as people are still praying. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for each person here today. I thank you for their heart for you. I thank you, God, for your love for them. I thank you that just like Zacchaeus, you don't pass us by. But when we look for you, you, should, you reveal yourself to us. Lord, I pray for each person here who god they, they their heart may be beating 100 miles an hour knowing that they need to be up here but i pray that you just meet them where they are jesus would you meet them where they are i pray for the one who does have health issues lord i pray for their healing I pray that you would heal them from the top of the head to the bottom of their feet lord perfectly god i pray for the one whose marriage is struggling i pray that you would Renew their love and renew their passion in a way that only you can do, Lord. Renew their commitment and the covenant that they've made with you. Lord, I pray that the family here that's struggling, maybe it's a family that there's no peace in the home. God, I pray that your peace would rule and reign in that place. I pray that you would just go with us now give us strength to follow you and to do everything that you would have us to do we love you and we thank you for loving us we thank you for Jesus and that unmerited favor that he gives us and that unconditional love that you've shown us God as he died on the cross Father, we thank you we love you we praise your name it is in the name of Jesus that we pray